When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply ready to run it back the liberty ready to run it back the dream Ooh, sorry <laughs> that was a voice crack into burp that's fun well can say you could put that at the beginning of the episode <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the me going to the Indiana Pacers game where they played the Knicks, and it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen in my life, to this person joining me at that game. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, how's it going? You know, it's going well. I have been uh, blessed to to attend many an NBA game, and I have to say that one is up there. It, it's one of the best games I have ever attended, and uh, I can't believe I'm saying this openly on a recording that will exist in perpetuity because the internet, but kind of made me want to root for the Knicks. I'm not going to say I'm a Knicks fan, yes, but it kind of yes. made me want to root for the Knicks. It's fun. It was a great game. Shout out to our friend Micah, who was able to hook us up with some quite nice tickets. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Micah. But it was a delightful experience, and it was a cool come-from-behind win. And the Knicks at that point had won eight games in a row prior to the game. And then we were at this one, and they started off quite poopy. They were not playing very well. Calls weren't going their way. The Pacers were making everything. And early on, I was like, of course, the one game that I decide to go to this run is the one game we're going to lose out of the past eight. Are you kidding me? And then just Tyrese Halliburton decided to get in Dante DiVincenzo's face. He got in the big ragu's face. And when you get in the big ragu's face, things get saucy. And Dante (laughs) DiVincenzo gave him a great little push on the boob. And from that moment on, the Knicks just started chipping away, chip, 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 chipping away. And it culminated in us finally winning and the garden erupting. It was a sold out crowd it was so loud it felt like the roof was going to cave in and then after the game Jalen Brunson who had just been announced as an all-star for the first time before the game started got emotional in the little post-game interview I'm so glad because people are starting to leave but not as many as usual and I was like oh they're interviewing Jalen Brunson we should stay and then he got choked up and stuff I'm so glad we stayed it was so cute oh it was amazing this is the kind of blatant tampering that I can get on board with frankly Look, it is clearly the most successful tampering that has ever taken place, and I love it. For anyone unaware, we got hit with a tampering accusation that turned out to be true. It was super duper true, where we had started negotiating with Jalen Brunson before we were allowed to in NBA free agency, which everyone does. It's just a matter of how obvious do you make it. And because the Knicks had hired his dad a couple months prior, (laughs) it was super obvious so we had to get rid of a second round pick or something oh no oh gee whiz oh man i'm so sad we can't have another mindaugas kuzminskis on the team oh goodness but, uh He's a real guy. He was great. He was really nice. I need to think of someone who we drafted that wasn't good. Maurice Endower. He's another second round pick that never really panned out. 
But my goodness gracious, what what great tampering. I really did think of that because the Knicks did this adorable thing where they posted these two videos, one about Jalen Brunson and one about Julius Randle, where their family members were saying nice things about them, congratulating them. And there was a lot of stuff from Rick Brunson, Jalen's dad, about Jalen. And it was really sweet. And Rick seems like a great guy. But after that minute and a half of Rick saying nice things about Jalen, I was like, yeah, I'm glad we hired this guy and got hit with a tampering charge. This oh, yeah. is really nice. Yes. Yep. Also, you got to meet Knicks legend Bernard King, just like in the concourse. Which was super cool. I don't know what was going on, but I think my understanding and the reason why I didn't take a photo with him like you asked me is it seemed like it was like some sort of charity thing. It felt like a charity thing of like donate some money and then get a photo with Bernard King. Right. But they were setting it up. So he was just standing there and you clocked, you saw someone who was very tall and very well dressed. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And given context, there's just something about someone that large in that nice of a suit where I'm like, that can't just be like a guy. Right, especially the context of being in the Knicks arena. Like a very tall person, well dressed, setting up something feels like a Nick of years past. So I looked and before I could even look at the person, there was someone behind us and you had asked loud enough. I would have clocked it. I couldn't even see because he wasn't facing us but some guy goes that's bernard freaking king and then i was like (laughs) oh and i went up to bernard and i said just loudly bernard and he he looked and i was like thanks for everything you did for the franchise he put his hand out for a fist bump and then i said they need to retire your shit asap referring to how his jersey isn't retired which has been a contentious thing because he only played for the knicks for four years but it was a really really good four years so it's one of those tricky jersey retirement things i don't know that we ever will retire it but and also randall wears his number right Yeah, but the Knicks have done things. They have two jerseys of the same number retired, and I don't think that they would shy away from it. I wonder if, like, if it ever got to a point where we were going to retire Julius's number, I wonder if they would do something where, like, a couple months before, they'd be like, let's retire Bernard Kings, you know? Like, no harm, no foul kind of thing. But he said, thank you, I appreciate it. He laughed when I said they need to retire your jersey, and then we went on to our seats. A-plus all around. Indeed. Fist bumper King. Indeed. Now, before we get into the Teal Memorial locker room, which I'm sure is upcoming here, I will say that as we record this on Tuesday, February 6th, last night I got to check off a bucket list item for me, which was to see Steph Curry play in person. Uh, I know you're still waiting to see LeBron. You had considered going uh, to see the Knicks play the Lakers, which I'm sure worked out well given that the Knicks lost that game. But yes, and the tickets never were below th- I foolishly thought, oh, they'll, you know, drop the day of, especially, but I wonder if this factored into it. LeBron was listed as questionable up Mm -hmm. until like an hour before the game. So I was like, well, I'm not going to drop a lot of money. So maybe I'll see him when he plays the Nets, when the Nets are even worse at the end of March when he comes to Brooklyn. (laughs) For anyone looking to buy tickets to like a marquee matchup, I recommend getting tickets like a couple days before. That's what I found because same thing for the Mm -hmm. Warriors-Nets game that I went to last night. Like tickets were the cheapest probably towards the end of last week, and then they started going up pretty dramatically over the weekend. So it's like, as soon as you have a hunch that the person you want to see playing is playing, that's probably the time to buy the tickets. But what I was going to say in all of this, uh, and I think you will appreciate this sentiment, is that it is not even remotely close how much better the MSG basketball watching experience is compared to the Barclays Center. Now, I will give the caveat that you and I had very, very nice seats for the Knicks game. So I think when you're closer to the court, you do feel a little more involved in the action. But I mean, my God, I really think there were more people in Warriors jerseys last night than there were Nets fans. 
And just it was a close game for most of it. The Warriors ended up winning late. Um, I got there very early to see Steph warm up, which was really cool. Um, we'll post some videos of that. And uh, he had a nice game. He had like 29, I think. But it just like no one seemed into it at all. The only moments where anyone seemed excited were when Steph had the ball and shot a three. And other than that, even when the Nets did like objectively interesting and exciting things, there's just no energy in that arena at all. And this is the part where I think you probably won't like this comment as much. But Barclay Center reminds me of New Yankee Stadium, where it's like it just feels very corporate and sterile. And I'm like, this is not how this experience is supposed to be. New Yankee Stadium is sad. It's one of those things where old Yankee Stadium baseball reference ding, 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 ding. was just this iconic arena. It was so great. But also it objectively needed to be torn down because sure. people were literally falling off of railings and suffering injuries. Like right. it needed to be either heavily renovated or just demolished and a new one built. But yeah, the new one is very corporate and stale. The Barclays Center, I feel like is just, as I've said on the podcast before, it's just too tall. You just feel yeah. so far away from the action. That being said, Barclays is great for a concert Agreed. because I think the acoustics are really good. And I think when you're at a concert, if you're not like at floor seats, you kind of anticipate being really far away mm -hmm. and honestly watching the screens a lot. So I don't think it hurts as much. But basketball games at Barclays are tough. And the Knicks, just by being like a... I think you got to sit in the lower section, which I could not afford last. That's the problem is I just feel like the price jump between the lower and upper is so steep. And the Knicks, maybe it's because the seats aren't so much better. Like our seats, we were in the last row of the lower bowl. So technically like the worst lower bowl seats. But even you could see some of the seats for the first row of the upper bowl and they're like not that much farther no. away. Yeah. So I think it's just a, a better situation. But I'm glad you got to see Steph. Seeing Steph is a very cool thing. I was privileged to live in Oakland yeah. the year during that first Warriors title run. So I went to like right. six games because tickets were like $35. <laughs> yeah. Because the world had not caught up yet yeah. and I got to see him quite a bit. Did he do any of the cool things? Like you got to see him warm up, which is awesome. Did mm -hmm. he do any of the things where he like turns around before the ball goes in the hoop? Because that's always a fun step. He moment. did not do that, but he did do the thing where he like sprints to underneath one of the baskets before the game, yeah, which yeah. Uh, Clay did as well. Also, Clay seems like broken and it makes me really sad, but we'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah, he had a post game time. interview afterwards because he didn't close out the game where he was very honest and he said, I'm going to get either honest with you or vulnerable with you to the reporter who asked. But basically, he was saying it's tough to go from being one of the best players to not being on the court to win out a close game. Yeah. But it seems like he's starting to accept it. He wasn't necessarily doing as much at the beginning of the year. Steve Kerr's talked about that. I would hope that by the end of the season, Clay comes to peace with it. He seems mm -hmm. like he's getting there. And that's really nice to see, especially because he is someone who's just so open and honest and transparent. But I still think Clay can have a great end of his career if you make that kind of transition. If he recognizes, like, right. even if my athleticism is gone, I'm still going to be able to shoot threes until I retire. Mm -hmm. Let me focus on being a little more late career Ray Allen-y, you know, sure. a little more like catch and shoot three-pointer as opposed to yeah. dribble around, pull up three-pointer. And I just hope that for Clay, because he's such a nice guy, I would love for him to have just a long, good, accepting end to his career where he's mentoring young guys. I don't want him to get discouraged. Right. I want him to embrace the new era of Agreed. his career. Agreed. And it seems like he's getting it. Yeah. But to answer your question, the I would say the most signature Steph thing was that he hit this kind of wild 
and one. Uh, I think it was like a layup uh, that he banked in. And then when he got knocked to the ground, he did this kind of like shimmy, you know, like the shoulder shimmy that yeah, he'll yeah, do yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So there was no like shooting from half court and then turning around before the ball goes in. But it was funny. I was with my buddy Gavin and there was one like real swaggy thing that he did. And as he was running down the court, I was like, you just know he's chewing on his mouth guard right now. You can you can just feel mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's go to the Teal Memorial locker room stocked with mouth guards to chew on. Nice. And you know who else probably has great mouth guards? I would think our our patrons and most specifically our producer level patrons. Of course, our producer level patrons. Thank you so much. Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvador Testa, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, How About Them World Champion Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed, Adam got to watch Steph Curry in person for three... I did, and bang. Hi, Trish, Nicole Shepard, Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, Josh Isn't Rich, Sidney Crosby is a vampire, Chelsea's cousin, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Balls to the Walls. And you know who doesn't have mouth guards, but that's okay? Well, I guess our sponsor, that's not really what they do, per se. No, but they do still help you put things in your mouth. But these things are cocktails. And with Shaker and Spoon... (laughs) I'm really glad that Tails was there because that was going to be a problem (laughs) real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, (laughs) teach their own. Exactly. Uh, But for (laughs) Shaker and Spoon, you can get all of the fixins and mixins to make a bunch of different cocktails all using the same liquor. You just provide the liquor, they provide everything else, and you can make four servings of three different cocktails. If you go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse, you can get $20 off your first box, which is about half off. And I've used Shaker and Spoon multiple times in the past. It's really cool. The boxes they come in are really nice. They have all these cool little ingredients, whether that be fresh items like whole nutmeg or citrus fruits or particular syrups and stuff. They have a whole bunch of cool things that you can use to make the drinks. Candy ginger, fun stuff like that that you can't just like get in the grocery store easily. And then you can make a bunch of cool cocktails. So head on over to shakerandspoon.com slash horse. You'll get 20 bucks off and you can make some cool drinks that you can then put in your mouth. Woohoo! Now, Unless you're listening on Patreon, where you get ad-free episodes, now we're going to take a bit of a break here for some other ads. Some of them are going to be read by us, and others of them won't be. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Horse. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And we are back. Adam, what is going on in the wild world of Mama Walla? 
Ooh, that sounds like a fun and specific theme park. Um, I do have some fun shows coming up, a few things that have been added since last time. This is what I have coming up on the road. As always, I have New York things, nothing headlining, but I will give a plug for a very fun show called One Liner Madness. Uh, it is a, a fundraiser show, but it's a like March Madness style competition where there are 64 comedians. This is at the Bell House in Brooklyn, and we just compete with one-liners. It's like a bracket starting with 64 all the way down to a final four and a champion. A few years ago, I did it and I got to the final four. I was very proud of myself. But if you want to check that out, um, that is on March 13th in Brooklyn. But as far as road stuff, I'm going to be headlining two shows at Dallas Comedy Club in Dallas, Texas on Friday, March 29th. Then from April 10th to the 13th, I've got a little Northeast run. I'm going to be in Manchester, New Hampshire on Wednesday the 10th. I'm going to be in Portland, Maine on the 11th and 12th. But if you're in the Maine area, please go to Empire Comedy Club on Friday the 12th. Then I'm going to be headlining two shows in Boston on April 13th. Uh, I'm going to have some stuff in Miami coming up when I'm down there for a corporate event in May. So keep an eye out for that. I'll be headlining in Houston on May 31st. Uh, I'm looking to set up Austin and San Antonio shows as well, TBD. And then I am in Denver in July on the 19th and 20th. Whew, that's what I got. What do you have? Busy boy. I think mm-hmm. I have all the same stuff that I mentioned. Unfortunately, this episode is going to come out after the Florida shows, but we were able to add a streaming component to one. So maybe people are able to watch that. But upcoming by the time people listen to this will be the Denver shows where we have seats available for the early show the late show is sold out and then Phoenix Arizona in February as well that one's on the 20th the Denver one is on the 18th and then two shows in North Carolina in March Raleigh March 9th and Charlotte March 10th I'm working on booking some other stuff in the future. Potential cities include Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Toronto, and also Philadelphia and New York. So hopefully that stuff will be coming, but probably in the fall because my summer is busy. I will be at LeakyCon in July, which is in Portland, Oregon, 4th of July weekend. So I'll probably do a show in Seattle and a show in Portland either before or after that convention. But also, if you want to come to the convention and see me do Harry Potter and Percy Jackson stuff, come on through. It'll be fun. You can get tickets at LeakyCon.com. Cool. But with that complete, we can progress onward. Do we have an NBQ&A this episode? We do have an NBQ&A. This question comes to us from Shane. Uh, The subject line says, what NBA teams are fun to watch? The message says, hey guys, I heard on the last episode someone asked the question about the most fun teams to watch in the league, which is a question I've had as well. Uh, To help me find fun teams, I made a spreadsheet with a few subjective rating scales for various categories to filter and sort to find what teams I like right now. I think it's fun and you can check it out. Uh, And Shane sent along a link, which I thought was uh, was very enjoyable. But Mike, the way I'm going to frame this for you is uh, kind of a two-part question. What makes a team fun to watch? And as we approach the NBA trade deadline and also WNBA free agency, who are some teams to watch on both sides that are going to be getting more fun in the near future? Yes, I think what makes a team fun to watch is first and foremost, probably like the play style, I think plays a big role because especially if you're new to the sport and you don't exactly know what's going on. You might not be like, oh, this team has this guy on it or this team has this player, but it's more of just the way they play basketball. Because even Mm -hmm. there's some teams that have great stars like the Miami Heat, they don't play pretty basketball. It can just be 
a, a slog to watch. Even like when the Rockets were really good with James Harden, like it was not a brand of basketball that I enjoyed watching. Right. I didn't like watching a guy dribble for 15 seconds and then either take a step back three or do a pick and roll and try to get fouled. Like mm-hmm. great team, great run, just not super fun to watch. So I think play style is a big factor. I think the Warriors are always going to be fun because of Steph Curry, but also just in general, shooting a lot of threes and stuff. I think that the Thunder are a fun, like, up and up team to watch right now. Got a lot of young guys that can do very fun athletic things. Shea Gilgis Alexander is very fun to watch. I, you know, even though the team is not very good, the Lakers are still just an interesting team to watch because LeBron is going to go down as one or two for greatest player of all time ranking. So just to, like, watch that from, like, a historian perspective, I think, is interesting. And then you know who's fun just from a change of pace the New York Knickerbockers are genuinely ah, fun to watch. There you go. There's this, they are. I, I'll give you that. Yeah. There's this great tweet that has been going around every time the Knicks win that has just been so fun. It is from someone whose Twitter handle is at the Lester Lee. And the tweet is, everyone in the NBA is scoring like 150 points every night. Then they come to Madison Square Garden and the Knicks beat them with metal bats for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. It's so accurate. The game we went to was only like 105 to 109 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So if you want a very big change of pace, the Knicks play really, really hard defense. And I, as you can attest at the game, like we played really good defense and it's really fun Mm -hmm. to watch. Like I just kept saying like great defense, great play, like well guarded. Yeah. They just play a very different brand of basketball. On the flip side, the Pacers, who we did play against, they are like the most high pace, high octane offense. So if you really want to just get the alpha in the league right now. Yeah, they're living up to their name. You could watch the Pacers and then you could watch the New York Knickerbockers to be like, ah, ultimate offense and ah, ultimate defense. As far as in the WNBA, though, we'll get into this now with free agency. But I think just the way the WNBA is shaking out right now is you kind of have super teams and it is fun to see all of the super teams. So just objectively watching the Liberty, the Aces, and Mm -hmm. now thanks to free agency, my beloved Seattle Storm, I think are all going to be very interesting watches just because the rosters are really, really incredible. The Liberty especially have a very interesting roster because of Sabrina Ionescu with her three-point shooting ability is really solid. And then Brianna Stewart, who's a really good post player. They just are some of the best in the whole league at their particular positions, and they play very different positions. So the Liberty really can kind of check your boxes. And the Aces have that going on too with Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray from the guard perspective, and then Asia Wilson down low. You can really kind of see every type of player. So for the WNBA, I think those three teams are kind of your your easy selections for if they're playing you should watch them yeah and i'm just like a big vibes guy like if the vibes are good i enjoy watching it even if the team is struggling or if they're in like a rebuilding mode uh if if people seem to be enjoying themselves it's like any other form of entertainment right like Mm -hmm. no one wants to go to a concert or a comedy show if the person on stage doesn't seem to be enjoying what they're doing and i think it is similar for sports I think that's another credit to watching the Knicks because the team seems to really like each other. They have four guys, all who played college ball together. Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, Ryan Archie Diacono, and Dante DiVincenzo. And they all kind of like give each other crap. There was a stat going around where Ryan Archie Diacono, who's like our bench guy, but he's more of like a player coach than anything. People like having him in the locker room and on the court. He like calls out defensive schemes and stuff. He usually just plays the very last couple minutes of the game when it's over. And he's played in 20 games consecutively without scoring a point. And that's an NBA record. And 
coming off of after Jalen Brunson made the all-star team, he made this really heartfelt, sincere post of like, it's such an honor to watch this guy play. I'm so glad he finally got named to the all-star team, blah, blah, blah. Then Jalen Brunson shared that stat to his Instagram story. And then Josh Hart did with the caption, making history <laughs> and tagged oh Ryan God. Richard Diacono in it. So good. So funny. So I love how much they all mess with each other all the time. Yeah, like they all seem to really like each other, which is nice. And then just the city loves the team. Mm -hmm. So you can just hear the whole crowd, whether you're there in person or watching a broadcast of it. Super, super into it, which is fun. Similar, the Denver Nuggets. They are very good. Nikola Jokic is just a wild, interesting person to watch play basketball. He's actively confusing Mm -hmm. because he's so big, but still weirdly nimble and so adept at passing like he just looks like it shouldn't work and it does and then the city of denver absolutely loves that team as well so i think the nuggets are really really high and they're also an incredible basketball team like they are just a perfectly crafted team like everything about them is perfect their roster is exactly what you need i would also highly 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 recommend watching the denver nuggets play basketball there you go with that complete now we can get into full court press get it like the news i do So we mentioned this. WNBA free agency is going on. We're recording this on February 6th, so it is still ongoing. But we want to at least talk about some of the major things that happened here. And then also, you're going to hear later in this full court press, we will switch to a recording in the future where I will be on the road. So who knows what my audio situation will be. But the NBA trade deadline will be this coming Thursday. Or if you're listening to this, you know, when it actually came out last Thursday. So we want to do a recording after the trade deadline to talk about that. But let's get the WNBA stuff in for sure. The big thing that went down is that My beloved Seattle Storm, after having one year of not being good at basketball, said no, 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 and made two huge signings, one of which in the form of Skylar Diggins-Smith and another in the form of Neka Ogumake. Neka previously was a longtime member of the Sparks, but the Sparks are entering a rebuild, so they did the kind of thing where, you know— They kind of agreed, let's both go our separate ways. So the Storm ended up trading. They had the number four pick in this coming draft. They traded away that pick and Kia Nurse to kind of clear out her cap space so they could sign these two players. And then they got a 2026 pick back from the Sparks, which might not be too bad seeing that they're entering a rebuild now. Like they might not be great, so it might work out okay. But the number four pick, like it's a really good pick. And this should be a good draft depending on who enters the draft. But we made this move, and then we were able to sign Skylar Diggins-Smith and Neka Ogumake, who are incredible. Neka Ogumake is like an eight-time All-Star. She won the MVP before. Skylar Diggins-Smith, similar caliber, just many, many All-Star appearances. And Skylar had some issues with teams in the past, but if I recall correctly, it was all about like the her paid leave situation for pregnancy. Like she sat out all of last season mm-hmm. for maternity leave, and I know there were some rumblings and frustrations in her past, but I don't feel like it was ever for basketball reasons. So I feel like everything should be pretty cool. She, Skyler, was teammates with Jewel Lloyd, who previously was the Storm's best player before adding these two people. Mm -hmm. So you get some chemistry. They both played together at Notre Dame. So that's fun. So the Storm just took a one-year hiatus of being bad, and now we're going to be fun and interesting. Jade Melbourne, who I have such a soft spot for because she's Australian and her last name is Melbourne, has been tearing up the Australian Basketball League in this WNBA offseason. So maybe she'll come and be a major player. So Storm, very interesting. 
Other things that went down in free agency, Jordan Canada, who was on the Los Angeles Sparks, got signed and traded over to the Atlanta Dream. Is Jordan from Canada like Jade Melbourne? I don't think she is. She used to be (sighs) on. I think she's from L.A. She Mm. used to be on the storm. And I really liked Jordan Canada. And then we let her go one year, which made me very sad. I mean, Seattle's pretty close to Canada. You know, it's not that far to go up to Vancouver from Seattle. But Brianna Jones returned to the Connecticut Sun. Lindsay Allen is now a member of the Chicago Sky. Rebecca Allen is now a member of the Phoenix Mercury. Rachel Bannum is now a member of the Connecticut Sun. Kalani Brown stayed with the Dallas Wings. So you've got some other moves. Tina Charles is now with the Atlanta Dream. Natasha Cloud, a big one. She signed with the Phoenix Mercury. Sydney Colson returned to the Las Vegas Aces. So I feel like Cloud should really people. be with the sky. <laughs> I mean, look, I wanted her with the storm. And, and also, she yeah, had made she had made some that that she had made some fun comments the last time. Like clearly it seemed like she was getting ready to leave the Mystics last season because she had a game where she like did very well and it was a close game and she beat the storm and they interviewed her after and she was like Seattle's always been a really great basketball city with a really historic organization and I was like let's get Natasha but I think just after our two big signings we didn't have room to make a third big signing since we also already have Jewel Lloyd on the team under a big contract so I think that's fine but yeah I guess her on the sky would have made more sense but you've got some teams loading up so it feels like the aces ready to run it back the liberty ready to run it back and you've got the Atlanta dream seeing like they're trying to make a run at it too so gonna be some interesting basketball to watch we'll have to see other signings how things shake out but right now We've got some fun stuff going on and the storm have kind of re-entered into the conversation. And it's an interesting trend we're seeing with the WNBA. It feels just kind of like free agency, big signings are the way to build, which in the NBA, it seems much more like you really have to do well in the draft. Even if you have big free agent signings, if you don't hit on draft picks just by the way the contract salary caps work, like you need good people that you aren't paying a lot of money on the team like that's a key to success the warriors when they were able to make those runs they had harrison barnes for not a lot of money like Mm -hmm. the reason they got kevin durant on the team was because of a weird contract thing that happened before the rules changed so contracts it makes it harder in the nba to just completely build through free agency whereas in the WNBA, that's more possible and we saw the aces and the liberty really made that happen in the past season and seasons prior. And now the storm did it as well. And interestingly, Neka Ogumake did an interview with her sister, Chene Ogumake, who's a big player, but also a media personality on ESPN. And she does a great job as an analyst. They did an interview and talking to Neka, she basically said the storm are a really storied franchise that put a lot of care into their players and they are going to unveil like just like the aces did a dedicated practice facility just for the team and no one else they're not sharing it with the nba team they're not sharing it with like a college or something it is just straight up this is the seattle storm practice facility and it shows that if you put effort into the team you put money into the team where you're allowed to unlike when the liberty tried to which i think (laughs) they should still be allowed to giving private jets to the team I think that players in the WNBA are recognizing that. And that is cool to see that the teams that just care 
are getting the free agents because the storm, like, yeah, we had Jewel Lloyd on the team, but other than that, and we've got Ezzy McMagore, but like it's the storm are one of the worst teams in the league last year. So it's not like these free agents are joining because it's like, oh, they're one person away or they're just two pieces away. Like they joined the storm because the storm care Mm -hmm. and they know that if they commit for a long time contract, even if we're not good immediately, they're going to keep putting in that work to try and build out the team. So I like seeing the teams that give a damn being rewarded. And then hopefully when every team gives a damn, then we won't have a super team situation. We will just have more parity like we're seeing in the NBA right now, which is very fun to watch. Indeed. So now at this point, we will cut to our NBA trade deadline talk. Let's see how my audio is. I will either be in a hotel room or the green room of the venue. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> either way, it's going to be frantic and fun. And uh, here it is. Here it is. All right, Horseheads, as we have promised, we are here for the trade deadline extravaganza. Mike has not read anything. Adam knows the news. So let's full court press get it like the news and see what's happening. Oh, I know baby. nothing. I know zero trades. Did Hit you, with me. Let's how just go. did you manage that? Did anyone text you about anything? I had people text me, but thankfully it was vague enough where I don't know. All I know is I got one text message from a friend of mine who's a Knicks fan that said, yo, we're stacked. And that is all I have. So I know nothing. If you can, Mm -hmm. can you go from like least interesting to most interesting? We are kind of borrowing this format from the uh, baseball Barbie cast guys who do it that way. So I don't know if that's possible. I can uh, try. I will sure, do my try best. your darndest, yeah. but like in a general sense, it would be fun if we ended this on the most like what kind of thing. But yeah, let, let's just so that I torture you for another 10 to 15 uh, minutes. We're going to end with sure. the Knicks trade. End with the Knicks. Got All it. Right. Cool, of course. So here are some more low key trades that happened. Mm-hmm. Portland has acquired Delano Banton from the Celtics in exchange for a second round pick. I don't know who those people are. Nope. Nope, nope, never heard of him. Uh, Boston has acquired Jaden Springer from the 76ers in exchange for a second round pick. I also don't know who that is. Don't know who that is. Uh, Sacramento uh, has acquired Robin Lopez and our favorite player. Cash considerations. You got it. Cash considerations. Uh, Milwaukee, in exchange, has received not available. (laughs) Oh, that that seems like they are clearing up a roster space yes. for a different trade. So it feels like the Bucks made a big trade. That's fun. Yeah. So TBD on that one. Um, okay. Let's go with some smaller ones. This is a three-way trade, but still not super interesting. Phoenix acquires Royce O'Neal and David Roddy. Um, Memphis okay. does a pick swap. And then Brooklyn gets three second-round picks. Okay. Memphis gets Royce. Yeah. Interesting. No, no, no. But Memphis, I, Phoenix gets Royce and David Roddy. Oh, Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix gets Royce and Roddy. That makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see it. All right. So Toronto gets Kelly Olinick and. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. And. Why? I'm going to butcher this name. Is it O'Shea Agbaji? <laughs> oh, yeah. O'Shea Agbaji. But yeah. why did the Raptors want Kelly Olinick? This is like yeah. when they traded for Jakob Purdle. I <laughs> don't know. And Utah, in exchange for that, gets Kyra Lewis, Kira Lewis, Otto Porter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And a first round pick uh, this year. Okay. Kyra Lewis is kind of like a. I see that. Like, they, they kind of get like a roll the dice kind of person. Right. That's so weird. What are they doing? I don't know. That 
I, I'd have to look at Kelly Olynyk's contract to see if there's something where like he has multiple years and they're going to like try to flip him in the offseason or something. But that is a strange move. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. The Timberwolves acquired Monte Morris in exchange for well, they traded to the Pistons, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr. and a 2030 second round pick, <laughs> which seems like too far in the future to be able to trade. That's a funny trade to go. We have to trade Sheik Milton for Monty Morris, which is like, we got this one backup point guard, but he's not good. Let's trade him for a different backup point guard and some other stuff. That's interesting. It makes sense, but like, that's just a funny trade. It's got to be tough to go from a team as good as the Timberwolves to the Pistons, though. Yeah, that's not great. That's not what you want. Um, You might have heard about this one because I think this happened last night. Boston acquired Xavier Tillman from the Grizzlies Mm -hmm. uh, in exchange for Lamar Stevens. A 2027 second round pick via the Hawks and a 2030 second round pick via the Mavericks. Mm -hmm. Um, Other unsexy ones. I think this might have also been yesterday. Detroit acquired Simone Fontecchio. And the oh, Jazz Fontecchio. acquired yeah, yeah. the Jazz got, uh, I believe, former Nick Kevin Knox. And oh, yes. the draft rights to Gabriel Procida. Don't know who that is. And a 2024 second round pick via the Wizards. Okay, that makes more sense. I was going to say, why would they give him for nothing? But I guess it's just for the pick. So now we're getting into, uh, to my knowledge, there haven't been any, like, I would say, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving level blockbusters, but there have been some pretty mm-hmm. spicy ones. So, Right, because um, for context yeah. for people, we're recording this literally right after the deadline. Yeah. You know, we started at like 3, 10 p.m. Eastern, and then I'm just here in my hotel room with Johnny, who's on tour with me, who you heard in the background go, exactly when I uh, <laughs> said why would they trade for Kelly Olynyk? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these are some more interesting ones. The 76ers have acquired Buddy Heald from the Pacers. In exchange, the Pacers get Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz, and three second round picks. That is a hefty price, but I guess Buddy Heald is pretty solid. But I'm, you know, it's it's all... I feel like Heald is very up and down. We were talking about this at the Pacers uh, Knicks game where it's like, you don't know what you're going to get from him day to day. Yeah. That's a three second round picks is seems like a lot, but yeah. especially because he's just like in the last year of his deal. But I guess they're hoping he will be old buddy healed. But mm-hmm. I do like that the fur can has been uncorked. Uh, he has been requesting a trade every yeah. season for the past like three seasons. So yeah. at least he's not in Philly anymore. Exactly. Um, the Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets made a trade. The Raptors have acquired Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh. And the Nets, in exchange, are acquiring Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young. Why does that trade happen? I really don't know. Why do they want Dinwiddie? Why do they want Schroeder? I don't understand that trade. That is weird. Yeah. It's, it, that, one, that one was particularly weird. As always, we got some movement on Patty Bev. Patrick Beverly oh. goes to the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> Pat Bev on the Bucks? <laughs> and in exchange, the 76ers get campaign and a 2027 second round pick. Okay, again, that is like we had this backup point yeah. guard, but we need to upgrade him. Pat Bev on the Bucks. That is interesting. And I've already seen that people sharing uh, footage of Pat Bev on podcasts talking shit about Giannis. So. It's gonna oh, be it's gonna be gosh. fun right off the bat. That's very very yeah. interesting. Wow wow. Yep, Dougie McBuckets, aka Doug oh. McDermott, uh, yeah, gets Douglas. traded from the Spurs to the Pacers. I think he was on the Pacers at some point, wasn't he? Doug McDermott, or am I imagining that? Maybe that not. Sounds correct, but yeah. I can see that for the Pacers. We've traded away yeah. Buddy Heald. Let's get another guy who right. can shoot threes. And yeah. then San Antonio gets a second round pick in exchange 
for Doug. And then, uh, all right, so what are we missing here? So the Hornets were involved in a couple very interesting trades. The first one was a trade with Dallas. Dallas acquires PJ Washington. And in exchange, Charlotte gets Grant Williams, who just signed there. Uh, Yeah, but he's been bad. Yeah, he's been really bad. Seth Curry and a first-round pick. Wow, that's a good return for P.J. Washington. Yeah, but P.J. Washington is also a good acquisition for the Mavericks. Yeah, he's someone that kind of like fits the same role. It's so funny. So far, basically, all of these trades are like, we signed this guy in the offseason. He wasn't good. We're trading him for a similar player and adding like a pick or two in order to get them. This is... Right. It's all contenders trying to very slightly upgrade guys they yeah. already had. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, but that is not the biggest move the Hornets made because the Hornets oh. also acquired Trey Mann and Davis Bertans from the Thunder in exchange for Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward to the ah. Thunder. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, getting rid of... Bertans and Trey Mann is like really not that big. So I feel like as far as moves the Thunder could have made, it's a pretty good one. I like the move in that sense that it's basically just like, let's get a veteran in, let's get some mentorship for these young guys, but not necessarily make a move that's so big that they are, you know, trading away a young guy before they kind of see how good he is. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I like that trade for the Thunder. I think that's the smart one. Yeah, and I mean, the Thunder have been really, really good already. This adds like a veteran presence to their lineup. And I, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a pretty good fit there. But yeah. I believe that is actually all that there is except for the Knicks trade. And I'm going to check oh, uh, Woj and Shams' okay. Twitter to see if anything has like, sometimes they'll report it like, you know, 15 minutes later as things are getting sure. finalized. But the Knicks have uh-huh. acquired. The Knicks. The Knicks and the Bulls made a trade. The Knicks and the Bulls made a trade? The Knicks have acquired Javon Carter in exchange for Jalen Brunson. I'm fucking with you. The Bulls, the Bulls again (laughs) made no trades. They did nothing. So they, at one point it was reported that the Bulls had Uh. made, had made Alex Caruso quote, untouchable. Oh my God. Bulls, come on. And they refused to trade Andre Drummond. As well. What? Wait, really? Like teams were interested in it or? It seems that way. Yeah. Oh, what? Oh, I'm so sorry, man. I like, I just, what are they doing? It's like borderline malpractice at this point. It's bizarre. It's really weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. Somebody, my favorite meme, somebody uh, (laughs) tweeted was uh, Arturis Cardasovas. That's the Bulls uh, general manager. Um, <laughs> patting himself on the back after the Bulls win 37 games and losing the play-in. And it's just that photo of George W. Bush in front of the Mission Accomplished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that but all right, exactly the, real, the real trade, the real trade was uh-huh. uh, between the Detroit Pistons and the New York mm-hmm. Knicks. Now, let me talk about what the Knicks gave up first. Some of these might hurt, so I'm sorry. The Knicks gave up Quentin Grimes. No, Quentin Grimes. I Evan don't. Fournier. I feel like you won't care about that. That's fine. Malachi mm-hmm. Flynn, who they just acquired from the Raptors in the Ananobi also trade. Fine. This one's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Arch. Archie Diacono. Oh, right, Archie Diacono. <laughs> breaking up the, Nova, the Nova boys. That's and also fine. two second round picks. Fine. In exchange for former slash current Nick Alec Burks. Oh, the return of Alec Burks. Okay. Boyan Bogdanovich. Okay, I was going to say, if you said any name besides Boyan Bogdanovich, once you said the Pistons, I would have been... Yeah. 
flabbergasted. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not... It's not as spicy as you hoped? No, I, I, I do like it, though. I guess Bruce Brown wasn't traded to anyone. No. The Raptors didn't trade nope. him. Uh, it says okay. uh, Woj reported like 20 minutes ago, the Toronto Raptors are keeping Bruce Brown Jr. Okay. Then I... Because I know the Knicks were trying to get him. So, especially based on some of the moves that the Raptors made, maybe they're weirdly like not trading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I mean, we needed we needed some more depth in that area. Bojan can play the four, which is good. Trading away Grimes really stinks. That mm-hmm. makes me sad, especially because like I don't really feel like Bojan or Alec are like long term pieces necessarily. Like I no, I but think, you guys are really good, and I think if you're trying to go for it this year, which maybe you are, yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't that's know what, what their it kind of feels like. Situations are Bogdanovich. I think this is the last year for each of their exactly. deals. So the fact that we had to give up Grimes stinks, especially because of the connection I have with right. him. But you know, I like the players make sense for what we need, and Burks is such a Tibbs guy that I get it. Right. I am intrigued to see Alec Burks back in a situation because, like, even when he was on our team, and especially when he was on the Pistons, mm-hmm. he was like you're asking too much of Alec Burks, but he's still like good. If we have Alec Burks in a position where all he needs to do is shoot three-pointers and play some defense, like he might actually be very interesting. And I think Boyan will fit quite well with like our, you know, very like plug and play amorphous groups kind of thing. So what was the initial trade that sent Burks away or was it a free agency? We kind of like, it was like a salary dumpy kind of thing Mm -hmm. where we, we got rid of him. I think it was like him in a pick just to kind of like dump him to the Pistons. We did a similar thing with that in Nerland's Noel. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Now I am seeing, cause now that that's all the stuff, right? Can I like try to just poke around Reddit and see oh, if there's yeah, anything course. else? Oh yeah, of course. The other big okay. like non moves is that, mm-hmm. um, the Lakers the didn't do anything. I Lakers guess. didn't do anything. The Hawks kept DeJounte Murray. So there's no trade there. Um, I believe the Pistons released Killian Hayes, which is, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, really I saw rough, that. So, that's wild. Yeah, but it, it certainly it, it does suck for him. Not like, to even just, get like a second round pick for him is sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, feel free to feel free to poke around that. That's everything that I'm seeing. I'm looking at uh yeah. Woj's feed. I'm looking at uh what else? Oh, the um I think I missed this somehow. The 76ers are trading Daniel House and a twenty twenty four second round pick via the Knicks to the Pistons. But then uh, I think it House, says for question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least on Reddit. I'm on the Reddit like big tracker. Um, there's one not finalized about Daniel Gafford going to the Mavericks in exchange for Rishwan Holmes in draft compensation. That has not been okay. finalized. Uh, Gafford then, is, a, is yeah. a solid player, I would say. He's, yeah, he's fine. Uh, and then, yeah, Daniel House for question mark. And then... Oh, there was that earlier thing with Steven Adams and the Victor Oladipo trade. Oh, this is new. Oh, no, that, I just like completely missed this one. Apparently, it happened on January 14th. The Pistons got Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala in exchange for Marvin Bagley III, Isaiah Livers, and some second-round picks. I completely missed that one. I saw place. that just because I picked up Bagley at that time, and he had like a nice little, little run there. Mm-hmm. Wild. Wow. Okay. Well, the there we go. Chicago Bulls have not made an in-season trade in 1,050 days. They have made one lot. trade in 893 days. And uh, yeah, I mean, everyone on Bulls Twitter is just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, that's really, that's sad. I'm sorry, man. Well, uh, an interesting trade deadline. It's it's interesting that like, I guess the Knicks, that's probably like the, the marquee trade. 
is is that bouillon tree. That's like the biggest one. Yeah, it was kind of anticlimactic. The only thing that I'll mention with the bulls is that I particularly enjoyed this quote and thought it was funny. People were asking DeRozan about his uh, his like unrestricted free agency status, and he said, "quote It's kind of like with your spouse. It's like, what do we need to work on this <laughs> on this baby? All right, let's figure this thing out. You want me? I want you. The love is there. So I guess he likes being on the bulls, but uh, you okay, know, they gotta all right." Well, that has been Free Agency Roundup. I can now take my phone off of Silent Do Not Disturb and respond to text messages that I've received. And we'll uh, we'll go about it. But yeah, thank you for facilitating this, Adam. I think this is a fun happenstance. And we'll see if, if we can do this in the future. But just by me having flights today, that's, yeah. this aligned perfectly. And I'm glad we got to do it. It would be fun if in the future we'll, we just both d- agree to like not look at our phones for the beginning <laughs> part of the day. And then we, we hop on right at 3 o'clock and do this. But yeah, it would have been more fun if I was like, the Knicks got LeBron. But you know. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, it's fine. You know, I, it's an interesting trade. And I mean, especially given the Joel Embiid injury news, which is very sad, like our chances in the East have improved, especially also with the, the Bucks signing Doc Rivers, who is a bad coach. Right. Uh, like we weirdly are like we could be a, 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 a real contender. Like, yeah. so I think it's a, a fine move. Let's let's roll those I dice, think, baby. I mean, the Knicks are legitimate enough that I think. Anything short of like an Eastern Conference Finals appearance will be disappointing at this stage. Right. I think at this point we really want a top four finish and then to like got to get to the second round. And if if it's not a close series, it would be disappointing. Like if we lose in seven to like the Bucks or sure. the Sixers or something yeah. like. I don't think we would be sad, but no. if we like, if it's like the way the Heat series went, where it was like six games, but mm-hmm. like not actually too close of a series. Yeah, and also losing to a play-in team, right? I think last year. Too. Yeah, it felt better since they went on to go to the finals. Right. But like, yeah, I think if we if we don't get to the ECF, that would be disappointing. Um, but if the things line up, where like if we play the Celtics in the second round or something, I don't think we're going to be mad about it. It's one of those like. If we don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, the context of how we did in that second mm-hmm. round, I think, will really dictate it. But yeah, yeah interesting sure. stuff. Interesting Indeed. stuff. Okay. Well, everyone listening, enjoy the rest of the episode as we travel back to Mike and Adam from the past. Ooh. Ooh. And also, if you are a patron, you got to see a video version of my genuine reactions. Uh, so you can head on over to patreon.com slash horsehoops and all horse patrons can see the video version of the call that we did for this. Wow. Thanks, Adam and Mike from the future. How fun. I can't believe let's just like try to take a big swing i can't believe the wizards traded kyle kuzma to the dallas mavericks for grant williams and i can't believe that the lakers traded lebron james back to the cavaliers (laughs) for darius garland (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be wild. LeBron uh wearing the stupid Knicks towel. He he I I it's so <laughs> it was funny because Kelly and I ended up watching that game on ESPN because it was on ESPN and tickets were way too much. And when the game was over, the Lakers won and I was very upset. And then LeBron did the thing where he did the post-game interview where he's wearing the Knicks towel very intentionally because he's trying to put pressure on the Lakers like he always does. Like, oh, I might force my way out to the Knicks in the offseason or, you know, you might have to trade me to the Knicks. It's so silly. And I was so mad because he always does this whenever he beats the Knicks. He would always post some sort of photo and he would put like, king of the garden. It's like, you're not king of the garden if you win one game here per year. There's only one king of the garden and his first name is Bernard. How about that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Kelly, after I said this, she was like, I'm glad you didn't spend $500 to see someone that you clearly hate. And I was like, but I have to see him. 
It's true. It's, it's complex. True. It's true. complex. Anyway, uh, here's your three on three. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Three on three. So we recently found out that Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry are going to be facing off in a three-point shooting contest during NBA's All-Star Weekend on Saturday, February 17th. Pretty cool date on the 17th, isn't it? Ooh, that is. I believe that is the GOAT's birthday. Yep, me. And it's Michael also Schubert Michael Jordan's and also <laughs> Michael Jordan. And also Paris Hilton. <laughs> there you go. I mean, three of the best in their fields, whatever field it is that she is in. She was very good at having a rich father and making more money out of it. Like, you got to hand it yes. to her. She as far as Nepo babies go, she's elite. You got, she did a good, like, there's many worse Nepo babies. At least she like, did some stuff. That's true. <laughs> like, That's true. <laughs> Not a it. great music career, but, you know, we'll, we'll let that slip. But a profitable, probably. That's true. Anyway, uh, Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry are going to be facing off in a three-point contest, and save for the online imbeciles who are already preemptively complaining about whether Sabrina will use an NBA-sized ball, she won't, or shoot from the NBA three-point no. line, she also won't, because why would she? She said she would, though. She oh, said she yeah. would. She shouldn't. She shouldn't. She shouldn't, but she could. Not because she can't. I fully believe if the WNBA had the NBA three-point line and she was the same player she is, she would be totally fine. I think just from a muscle memory perspective, she should shoot from wherever she most commonly shoots from. Right. Because you'll see NBA players get messed up by this when they play in the Olympics or FIBA tournaments. Their line is closer and the NBA guys still shoot from like a couple steps back just because like that's what you're used to. So I think she should just shoot from wherever she's the most comfortable because no one's going to care. Like if guys are going to be crappy about it, they're already going to be crappy about it. Even if she shoots from the NBA three-point line because they'll be like, well, the ball is smaller. Like shut up. Shut up. But – All that to say, people are very excited about this uh, unique matchup. I certainly am. Ionescu won last year's WNBA three-point contest with a near-perfect final round, shooting a blistering 25 of 27 attempts. Steph Curry, undoubtedly the greatest three-point shooter uh, to ever play in the MenBA, has won the three-point contest twice in 2015 and 2021. So today, in honor of the fact that this will be the final episode before NBA's All-Star Weekend, I'm going to talk about the three best NBA and WNBA contest-winning final round performances, which I know is specific, but I had to Mm -hmm. choose some sort of metric because otherwise, like, they're very notable first-round performances. There are certainly people who have, like, won multiple times, but I wanted to be specific about, like, when the pressure is on, who in history has had the best final rounds. That's fun. Yeah. So naturally, the competition for this list is going to be steeper on the men's side simply by virtue of the fact that the NBA uh, three-point contest has taken place every year since 1986, with the exception of the lockout shortened 1998-1999 season. On the women's side, weirdly, and I didn't know this, there have only ever been 10 three-point contests because they first took place between 2006 and 2010, and then they stopped doing it for some reason, even though there was still an all-star game, and it didn't return until 2017. I don't know if you know more than I do about like why that would have been the case. Like It's an easy enough thing to do. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. I don't know. I know that that era of WNBA is when the league had kind of dipped in popularity. Mm. So I wonder if it was just like... Maybe they just had they the game and not the like extra That's what I can think of. Stuff. Like they just had the game. Because I think now for WNBA All-Star, it is multiple days. Yeah, so I, think, I think that it was probably just in a time where they were like, 
We don't have the money to justify whatever we got to do to reserve an arena for two nights or the return on investment was worth it. That's right. the only thing I can guess, but that is interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure why they stopped doing it. Uh, that, that might be why. But either way, they are back with a vengeance. Uh, but in any case, we're going to start on the women's side of things and then move over to the men's. And I suppose I already spoiled the number one spot on the women's <laughs> side, but, you know, sorry, not sorry. So for the purposes of this ranking, as I mentioned, I'm going to go based off of the overall percentage of points that people could have gotten in the final round, uh, because that feels the most fair. And for anyone who has never watched a three-point contest, here's a brief explanation of the way that it works. There are racks of five balls apiece stationed evenly around the three-point arc. So there's like one on each corner, one on the left and right top of the key, and then one like right dead center. Um, at the top of the arch. Uh, there have been variations of this throughout the years, but at least on the men's side, the basic premise is that you have to shoot 25 three-pointers in one minute, which is already kind of a task in and of itself, just physically, given that this allows for approximately two seconds per shot when you factor in the time that it takes to move from station to station. At each respective station, there were historically four regular balls, and then there would be one red and white ABA-themed money ball. So every normal ball was worth one, and every money ball was worth two. So what that meant was that a perfect score was 30, which would be making 20 of the regular shots at one point apiece, and the five money balls at two points apiece. Since 2014, though, in the NBA, a rack consisting of only money balls was added, and it could be placed on any of the five spots based on the player's choosing, um, and that brought the maximum possible score to 34 points. And then most recently, the last wrinkle added in 2020 was that two additional Mountain Dew shots, because of course everything has no, to be No, 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 no. It is now the starry. Oh yes, NBA I'm sorry. Starry. We must give them their due. You see what I did why there? Why is it? Uh, why is it always soda? It was Sprite, and then it was Mountain Dew, and yeah. now it's starry, which is just Sierra Mystery branded. Exactly. Yes. In any case, some sort of soda shot, um, <laughs> and it's placed on each side of the top of the key from like way out. It's basically like Steph and Dame range. So like maybe Yeah, it's five your to from the feet. logo kind yeah, of shot. Exactly. Now, when they did that, this increased the maximum possible score to 40 because each of those shots were worth three points. They also uh, increased the time limit from 60 seconds to 70 seconds to account for the extra two shots, um, which as I mentioned, are both like, I would say what, five to 10 feet maybe behind the three point line. Yeah, pretty far. I also think a factor, I'm glad you brought up like that it is just like physically demanding. It's also weird because you don't normally shoot basketballs by picking them up from a rack to the side of you. Right. Like you either are dribbling or catching it from a pass. Yeah. So it's just an unnatural motion. And you can see a prime example of that being at last year's NBA All-Star Game. Mm -hmm. Julius Randle was a three-point contest participant, but only because someone else was going to be it and then got injured on like the last day before leaving for the All-Star break, like the last game before the All-Star break, whoever was going to be in it got hurt and didn't end up making the trip. So then the NBA was only going to pick from people who were already doing something at right. All-Star weekend. And Julius Randle was shooting well enough from three that year that he was like, sure, I'll do it. But he had not practiced doing from the racks at all. So he was terrible. Yeah. And I think like people underestimate like when you're in the NBA three point contest, like you practice this because it's just unnatural and strange. Right. Yeah. Oh, I would absolutely not do it unless I thought I could practice because it is a totally different thing than like catching the ball from a pass or shooting it off the dribble. I think we've discussed this before, mm -hmm. but in a world where you got to do this and we're talking mm -hmm. NBA length three pointers, so yeah. you get the whatever it is, 27 shots. 
How many do you think you're making? So you only get 70 seconds. I would give mm-hmm. myself like maybe four or five that go in. Me, I would not go more than five for me. I would say probably, I would say like three. <laughs> like if you have yeah. the actual pressure of the, right. re- like if I'm in the real thing where people are watching, maybe three. Yeah. If I'm in a completely empty gym with no distractions, mm-hmm. maybe four or five. Yeah. But especially under the time limit too. Like I don't think I'm hitting anything in those last 10 shots. Oh no, I would maybe get 15 <laughs> of them off. Because also like we're not NBA players, so you'd have to like really load up to even get it. That oh, far. that's true. That's a yeah, I don't yeah. think I would even finish and then I'd be tired towards the end. So yeah, I, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three. <laughs> I will say though, as many of you know, my lifetime shooting percentage from behind the arc on NBA courts is 50%, which is you know, I, I hate to make this claim, but it is the best of all time. If right. we're not, and if we're I've not never missed one ever. I've yeah. never missed a shot on an NBA that's true. court. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I love it. That's like when schools like don't have a football team and they're like undefeated mm-hmm. since whatever year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great. All right, so we're going to start on the women's side, and the third highest performance in a final round came in 2007, courtesy of Washington Mystics player Lori Kane. Do you know who Lori Kane is? No, unfamiliar. Yeah, so this was the second ever WNBA three-point contest. She scored 25 out of 30 possible points, good for an 83.33% mark. I was actually able to find incredibly blurry footage of this contest. And the coolest part is that the All-Star Weekend was held in Washington, D.C. that year. So she has her home fans behind her. Now, her performance in the finals was so dominant that she actually clinched the win on the final money ball of the second to last rack. So she has 18 points. She needs 20 to win. She hits the final money ball, getting her to 20. The crowd erupts. And then she just gets to shoot the final five balls just for the hell of it. And she still hits four of them, even though she didn't need any of them. So the crowd goes Maybe wild. the lack of stress just made oh, her yeah, probably just, just like get, there's, get It's loose. all the weights off the shoulders. You're just carefree, baby. Yeah, for sure. Um, so she gets her, her moment of glory. It was also very interesting to see her shooting style because I was not familiar with her. And her shooting motion is like very like right-hand dominant. She like really loads up on her right shoulder. So she's shooting it more like just from her right side than from mm. in front of her, which I think you do see a little bit more frequently in the women's game, um, I would say, just because, like, please don't come at me for this, but, like, in terms of, like, a strength thing, when you're learning how to shoot, especially at a younger age, sometimes you need a little bit more of, like, a push from your dominant arm when you're... I don't know if you would agree with that in terms of, like, why you see that more, like a push shot. I think not even just the strength, but it's also just, like, for people in the NBA, and I didn't even do this until I was older, it's easier to just, like, shoot over your head. Right. And especially when you're younger, uh, like sometimes you'll shoot more from the side just so that the basketball is not covering your face when you right, release right, it. Right. So that's another factor as well. But also just like sometimes people just have different shooting styles. But yeah, it's definitely something you see from folks when they're younger is either shooting from lower or from off to the side. So it could have yeah. just been she got used to that form and stuck with it. Right. But even Steph Curry, who is arguably the greatest shooter of all time, like he has a very unorthodox shooting style. It's just that Correct. he releases it so quickly that there's not time for anybody to block it, despite the fact that he's shooting it from like a lower release point. 0.3 seconds is his release. Absurd. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was kind of made for this contest in terms of how quickly he releases the ball. But 100%. Yeah. yeah. Quick math. He can shoot about six shots <laughs> in the time. Yeah, that is wild. All right. At number two on our list, we have Chicago Sky standout Allie Quigley. Yes. Who in 2018 scored 29 of a possible 34 points, good for an 85.3% mark. Now, to take a step back, basketball pun, oh. Quigley 
is by far, by far, the most decorated person, male or female, in the history of the three-point contest. She has won four of the 10 contests that have ever taken place in the WNBA, including a remarkable run of four victories in five years from 2017 to 2022. If not for Shakina Strickland of the Connecticut Sun interrupting that streak in 2019, Quigley would have won five consecutive contests. For a frame of reference, no NBA player has won more than three times, a feat accomplished only by the legendary Larry Bird and Chicago Bulls sharpshooter Craig Hodges. But in any case, we'll put a link to Quigley's 2018 performance in which she got 21 points in the first round, 18 in the second, and then a blistering 29 points in the final round, including hitting her full rack of money balls on the top right corner of the key. Pretty sick. That's incredible. Yeah, I definitely remember that run of like, oh, yeah, she won the three. It was very much like ho-hum. She won the three-point right. contest again. Like, it, you know, the sky is blue, more at 11. Like, exactly. It's just such like a normal, common thing where when she didn't win, it was like, what exactly <laughs> so yeah she's, so, she's elite she's elite. yeah she is she is uh finally at number one and we all knew it was coming but last year the new york liberties sabrina yonescu went absolutely berserk tallying 37 of a possible 40 points in what was one of the all-time great three-point contest performances uh we shared the video last year when it was going viral and making the rounds but she makes it look so so easy not only does she hit her full money ball rack, but she also drills both of the, uh, I don't know if they're Mountain Dew shots or Starry shots or whatever they were, <laughs> but both of the long distance shots, which are well beyond NBA range, let alone uh, WNBA range, um, just as a reminder to the haters. But the coolest part about the whole thing was that all of the other WNBA stars who are there watching on the sidelines are like equally as flabbergasted as the crowd. Like everybody's just going absolutely bonkers. It is phenomenal to watch and it makes me very excited, not only for the Sabrina-Steph matchup coming up, but also for future Sabrina matchups with Caitlin Clark, which are inevitably uh, on, on the horizons in the years to come. So we're going to move over to the men's side now. And on the men's side, we start in third place with a two-time three-point contest winner and one of the best free throw shooters of all time, Mark Price. Mm -hmm. At 5'11", 170 pounds, Price was the quintessential dude you wouldn't believe if you met him at a bar and he told you he was in the NBA sort of archetype. But this dude could absolutely ball. Price finished his career with a genuinely absurd 90.4% lifetime free throw shooting percentage. And he was also the second player in league history after Larry Bird to join the 50-40-90 club, meaning that he shot over 50% from the field, over 40% from behind the arc, and over 90% from the foul line in a full NBA season. So after winning the contest for the first time in 1993, Price did not let the pressure get to him in 1994, scoring 24 of a possible 30 points, good for an 80% mark. In the final winning round, Price hit 20 of his first 22 shots, and yes, there is video of this. It is worth watching not only for the shooting, but also for the old school graphics. And Doug Collins commentating and saying, and I quote, the angelic face of Mark Price with the eyes of an assassin, end quote. Pretty great. Not That was not Bill Walton? Oh it was not. God. You would think if I gave you that quote and made you guess who said it, you definitely would have guessed Bill Walton. I would have bet $1,000 that it was Bill Walton. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Now, at the time, the record for points in a round was 25, and Price actually got to 24 with three balls remaining, but sadly he missed the final three shots. Nevertheless, his strong final round was enough to secure him his second consecutive contest victory. At number two, we have Devin Booker's 2018 performance in which he converted 28 of a possible 34 points, good for an 82.35% mark. 
And Reggie Miller comments on it uh, in the middle of the contest, but his form is so effortless and efficient. Like he really is made for that kind of contest. He makes it look very simple. And even after the incredible round, he remains like his classic kind of cool, calm and collected vibe as Booker usually seems to be. Like he'll get fired up sometimes, but he's like a pretty, pretty smooth operator. Um, but yeah, this was the All-Star Weekend that was in Los Angeles and uh, Booker certainly shined bright in front of the stars. Yeah, no, it was good for him. I think it was nice. It was at a time when Devin Booker wasn't like truly at like elite, elite Devin Booker notoriety status right. yet. So it was cool for more people to take note of Devin Booker because he just really began his career by toiling away on some truly horrendous Phoenix Suns teams. So yeah. to see him oh, yeah. now be more in the spotlight. Is cool, and him winning that three-point contest was also cool. For sure. But it's time to get to the number one final round performance in NBA history. And I think it's going to surprise some people. Do you know who it is? Hmm. And I'm implying that it's not someone that you would think that it would be. So it's not Steph. Oh, is it like... Was it Nocioni? No, but good guess. Man, that's a name I haven't thought about in a long time. Former former Chicago Bull legend Andres Nocioni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, is it a similar, is it a similar guy like that where like yes. a dude who's like just sharp shooting white guy, shooting. you probably yeah. know him best with the heat also played for the Pelicans and bopped around. Oh, a lot. oh, 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 I, um, uh, uh it's going to bug me. JK not Ryan Anderson. JK. Uh, it's not Ryan Anderson, but he's got that same vibe. Gosh, who is it? Jason Capono. Yes, God, that's who I freaking meant when I said Andres Nucioni. <laughs> God, you were damn. thinking of Jason Capono. In your, I in your was head. literally thinking of Jason Capono. Oh, oh man, <laughs> yeah, man, he was he could ball. He was he was a really good player, and kind of in the vein of like a, I don't know if JJ Redick is the right comparison, but maybe more like a Kyle Korver, just like a guy who's always going to have a job because he shoots threes so well that he his career was was pretty long. But uh, yeah, so Jason Capono was a two time winner. And much like Mark Price, he had the opportunity to defend his title after winning the contest for the first time in 2007 with the Miami Heat. The following season, as a member of the New Orleans Pelicans, Capono did not disappoint, converting 25 of the possible 30 points in the final round, good for an 83.33% average, the single best final round in NBA history. Uh, I weirdly had trouble finding footage of the 2008 contest, but I will link to the footage from the 2007 one. At one point during his career, Capono was actually statistically the best three-point shooter in NBA history. As of this recording, he is currently sixth all-time with a 43.36% mark, trailing only uh, in backwards to forwards order. Fifth, Joe Harris. Fourth, Drazen Petrovic. May he rest in peace. Third, Luke Kennard. Second, Hubie Davis. And first, Steve Kerr, who is the all-time leader at 45.4% three-point percentage lifetime. Surprisingly, Steph is not even in the top 10 in terms of percentage. He's number 12 uh, with a 42.64%. His vault, he just shoots way too many. Exactly, He yeah. shoots so many and he's guarded so intensely. Yeah. And this is kind of cool. His younger brother, Seth, is actually seventh all-time ahead of Steph. He's one spot behind Capono with a lifetime 43.23% mark. But yeah, in any case, those were the best final rounds in WNBA and NBA history. And I can't wait to watch Sabrina and Steph go head to head next weekend. That'll be really fun. Yeah, I just pulled up Capono's basketball reference page. He shot 51.4% from three in 2006, 2007. That's outrageous. 
It's absurd. Unsurprisingly, that led the league. He also led the league the next year where he shot 48.3%. But in Yeah, those were the two years that he won the contest, so it checks out. Yep. In that year where he shot 51%, he shot 49% overall. So I just love the breakdown of like, I would much rather shoot a three-point shot than anything else. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, just so good. Wow. What a guy. Yeah, man, that's who I meant. Dang it. Dang it. Well, that was super fun. Let's now get into my That Actually Happened, which is a a fun thing in that it's weird that it happened, but it's less fun in that it is about some dude being grumpy for no good reason. Oh, no. I wanted to do this for the That Actually Happened because we referenced it in our last episode in our interview with J.B. Ball, but I realized, oh, my goodness, we've never covered this on the show. Today, I'm going to present how Colin Cowherd weirdly beefed with John Wall for years on end because John Wall did the Dougie once. Oh, my goodness. What an objectionable (laughs) thing to do. I know. Are you familiar with this beef at all? Only because you referenced it when we talked to JB for the last episode. And I do like vaguely remember there being some harumphing about uh, John Wall having a good time, but I I didn't know that it actually went to the extent of there being like a beef around him doing a dance one time. It was super strange. So John Wall came into the league in the 2010-2011 season. He was a highly touted prospect from Kentucky. He was absolutely incredible there. There was the Do the John Wall Dance song Mm -hmm. that came out, I believe, during his last year at Kentucky. Yeah. And that was the dance where you kind of put your John fist facing you Wall. and then fisting away. John yeah. Wall. So there was a history of John Wall and dancing prior to him getting into the NBA. And he's very good at dancing. And it was fun and cool. And then when he was drafted by the Washington Wizards, I believe he was the, was he the number one pick? Or I think he was. Pick? Yeah. I feel like he was number one. Let's see. John Wall was the number one overall pick by the Washington Wizards in the 2010 NBA draft. So when he played his first game for the Washington Wizards, we'll put a link to this on the episode page of horsehoops.com. But when they do the player announcement things, at that time, the Wizards were horrible because the way As opposed to now, when they are horrible. Horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So the NBA, when they do player introductions, normally the best player on the team will be saved for the last name when they announce the starting five because then the crowd gets the most hyped before the game begins. Or if you have two really good players on the team, the two people will be first and last. So the Knicks, for example, Jalen Brunson is always first and Julius Randle is always last. That's because Julius Randle was our best player for a while and he was last and it's kind of weird to like bump him. So it's easier just to then put someone, even though Jalen Brunson is better you know randall's been the guy there for a while it's like a weird snubbing thing but the wizards were already in the situation where john wall who had played zero games in the nba was their best player (laughs) like significantly (laughs) no contest not even close so he was announced last so there's already a bunch of hype this is his first game it's a home game like let's go and when they start to announce it, they do like a pretty long thing of like, and starting a guard from Kentucky, six foot three. Duh. So they do like a big long His favorite intro. food is spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> he called his mom last night and she was happy about it. But 
when they're doing that, they are playing the song that was very popular in the year 2010, Teach Me How to Dougie, which is a great song and it's a perfect song and everyone should know how to Dougie because mm-hmm. it's not that hard and you can watch YouTube videos about how to do it or you can watch this video of John Wall because you know who's probably the greatest person I've ever seen do the Dougie? John Wall. I've never yeah. seen a better Dougie. Like when I was trying to perfect my Dougie craft in high school and college, I would watch this video of John Wall's <laughs> player introduction because i've never seen anyone do a better dougie than john wall he just has so much it's an elite and joy and he's so smooth but basically during the entire little introduction he does the dougie absolutely nails it then kind of high fives his teammates a little bit then does the do the john wall dance a little bit morphs that into the dougie and then they all put their hands in and do like a team on three one two three team thing It is so cool. It is incredible. The whole arena was hyped. It was absolutely fantastic. Everyone loved it. Just kidding. One person didn't love it. Colin Cowherd hated it. Colin Cowherd, if you don't know who he is, I envy you. Uh, But he is very similar to Skip Bayless. If you don't know who Skip Bayless is, I really envy you. But he's one of these guys who just like, I don't, he's just like always been famous I and mean, I it's like in the like, vein of my what you would call a shock jock. Yeah, just like a radio DJ sports guy who like has no credentials. Like he didn't play just in the all league. hot he didn't takes coach all the, the league. Time. Right. He didn't work for any team. He's just one of these guys who just talks about every sport and just does hot takes and does the thing that now all these guys do is they all have the same microphone where the compression is bad. So the audio sounds like they're like this all the time where they're right over the mic and it's bad audio quality. Like none of these guys know how to work a microphone properly. <sighs> but don't they have engineers? I mean, how, how is this They happen? do, but it's just like they're used to doing it on radio. Like it, it's just, it is microphones have improved, but these guys like techniques have not. I could talk about that for hours. But anyway, (laughs) he's one of these guys that just like has all these hot takes and just like tries to say inflammatory things to drive traffic and all that kind of stuff. And he did that here against John Wall just for no good reason. Like there's this huge tirade that he has and we'll put a link to it on the episode page because it's it's just weird and it goes on for a really long time. Before the game started, he spent 34 seconds doing the Dougie. That tells me all I need to know about Wow. Wow's 37-second yo-dog, look at me, I'm the man, and his wild, out-of-control style. Everybody else is buying his stock, and it told me all I need to know. So the rant that Cowherd went on was so long and strange that we've only just put in like a clip of it and we just like i can't even find like a full transcript of it online and it would take way too long to go through it's just terrible but some of the things he says he compares it to robbing a bank because he says that the crime of it is not that he was like he says like the the problem with robbing a bank is not just that you robbed the bank but it's that you planned it for weeks so what he's trying to say is like the fact that he has clearly planned that I'm going to dance uh, during my player a, a premeditated dougie sure as if it's a bad thing at all it was so cool objectively incredibly cool but he's mad that he like planned it in advance for his first nba game 
in where he's like the reason people are buying tickets. Like no one's watching the Wizards because they're good at this point. They're watching to see John Wall. So he did a cool thing. So he gets mad at him at that. Compares him to Allen Iverson, which is like super white guy getting mad at black player like trope. Like, yeah, that feels a little coded. Anytime people want to get racial, but like try not, they always are like, oh, Allen Iverson. And the way you it makes this clear is he says that John Wall is going to end up like Allen Iverson. He's saying like he's never going to be an accomplished player. Allen Iverson who made the finals many times and won MVP. And then he also says like he'll never be coached by a great coach. Allen Iverson, who was coached by many great coaches over his career. So this makes no sense at all. So like super weird, like uh, I think you just wanted to compare him to another black player that you didn't like, Colin Coward. Then he says that it's the doggy dance, not the Dougie dance, which is either him like getting it wrong on purpose to be crotchety or just him being like incredibly uncool. He also then multiple times and he said this like for years and years because he never let this go. He said that John Wall did the dance for 34 seconds, and that is factually incorrect. If you look at the tape, he does it for 21 seconds. Then he takes about a 10 second break to high five his teammates. Then he does another four seconds of it combined with doing the John Wall dance and then high fiving his teammates. So the thing of his player introduction lasts for 34 seconds. He does not Dougie for 34 seconds. So this is just an obscuring of the truth, and it is unjust journalism, and I won't stand by a Colin Cowherd. Oh, well, I think that implies that what he does is journalism in the first place, which it isn't. <sighs> yeah, gosh, he doesn't. He just like just yells things and makes comparisons that make no sense at all. The problem with stuff like this is that it's always this angle of like, act like you've been there before. But it's like he literally hasn't. <laughs> yes. It's his first NBA game and he's excited. Now, I would understand if the Warriors are down 25 points in the fourth quarter and the song comes on in the stadium and he's dugging on the sidelines as the mm -hmm. team is getting their asses kicked. But it's before mm -hmm. the game. The whole point of doing the player right. intros is to like keep the vibes good and keep it light and get everybody excited for the game. What better way to get people excited than doing the Dougie? I've, I've seen the Dougie many times before. I think it probably was at your wedding. I would be disappointed if it hadn't been. Oh, I requested that the DJ play it. It was one of my few demands of like, you must play this. So I went up to him. I was like, can you play 2 Dougie? He was like, oh yeah, sure, no problem. And then I I did it. And anyone could have taken notes. I would have gladly taught anyone how to Dougie. You have to try to act like your elbow and your knee are attached by a string. Mm. Uh, and then they move in unison. That's the biggest piece of advice that I would give. But anyway, not only did he get the crowd super hyped, which he did. If you watch the video, like they are hype as hell when he's doing the Dougie. But also he had a great game. He scored 29 points and he had 13 assists and nine steals. Nine. He almost I'm had guessing eight turnovers, with, but... <laughs> well, you exactly got it correct. Hilarious. He did have exactly eight turnovers. And that is what Colin <laughs> Cowherd yelled at Matt. But, like, he almost had a triple-double with steals. Like, I don't yeah. care. If you have eight turnovers, but you have nine steals, like, you're a net positive. <laughs> so okay. it's fine. And also, 13 assists and eight turnovers, like, that's, that's not great, but it's not terrible. But weird. I'm sure you can look up his plus-minus for the game, and I bet it was a plus. Yeah. He's had a great game. His first game, I don't know if it was his first overall game. It was at least his first game in Washington. But like still, that's right. absurd. But then of course, Colin Cowherd is like, well, Rajon Rondo put up 17 assists and four steals and had no turnovers. But uh, yeah, he was also on the Celtics in 2010. Right. Who had Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. Can you name... Slightly deeper team. Can you name anyone else on the 2010 Washington Wizards? Because... I can't. I'm going <laughs> to say Karan a single Butler. Person. Ooh, that's a good guess. Here's the team. Oh, Gilbert Arenas was still on the team. That's fun. Oh. Gilbert Arenas, Hilton Armstrong. That's Mike not a real Bibby? person. 
Andre Blatch, Trevor Booker, Jordan Crawford, Maurice Evans, Alonzo Gee, Kirk Heinrich, oh, Josh Howard, Lester Hudson, Yijan Lin was on the Wizards. Oh, wow. wow. Athos Jeffers, Richard Lewis, Cartier Martin, JaVale McGee, and someone whose name is Hamidi Nadaye, who I've never okay. heard of, as well as Mustafa Shakur and Kevin Serafin. So, yeah. Oh, and Swaggy P. Nick Young. So Yeah, some of those people are not real. That's Those are AI-generated names. Half of those people are uh, names from Guess Who, the board game. Uh, <laughs> no, so that is not not the same roster, but that was his whole thing. Then Cowherd goes on to say, point guard is like the quarterback. It's an IQ judgment position. They're, the great ones are not about themselves. They are about others. Leadership is IQ, not skills. It's just so, so, so stupid. But then it turned into like a whole thing. And what's funny about this beef is that John Wall never responded until the last thing that I will cover in my recap of this beef. It's just like this just man being deranged for no good reason. So basically, as things would go on, just every now and then he would have a rant where he just like took the crap out of John Wall for no good reason. And he would always cite it as like, oh, once I saw him do the Dougie, I knew it was going to be terrible. So he's all this stuff. That was very, that was very Nixon-esque right there, I have to say. That was very <laughs> Richard. That was a weird Richard Nixon impression. Once I saw the Dougie, I knew he would be a crook. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so there was one time where Colin Cowherd attacked John Wall and said he wasn't as good as being a point guard because he didn't have a father figure in his life, which oh, is super racially wow. coded. But also, if that wasn't bad enough, it is true that John Wall's father wasn't around for a good portion of his life. But you want to know why? It's because his father died of cancer. Oof. <laughs> Yeah, super tough look for Colin Cowherd. He had this quote where he said, let me tell you something. I'm a big believer when it comes to quarterbacks and point guards. Who's your dad? Who's your dad? Because I like confrontational players. I don't like passive aggressives. Strong families equal strong leaders. Talent, overrated. Leadership, underrated. Dads, uh, yeah. underrated. <laughs> like, uh, just super duper duper terrible. Absolutely awful. Then he gets on his high horse where he thinks he's cool. He's like, you wouldn't email me if I was an idiot because you wouldn't listen to the show. You listen to the show because we make good points. I don't know that they do. They might listen to the show because it's always on the radio, Colin. You're on the radio for like three to four hours a day. Some people just want to hear sports and they don't have a choice. So just makes all these weird points. Then there's this one point where he has this rant in 2017 where he says that John Wall doesn't have any star power. John Wall at this point is like a huge star, a, an enormous star. You want to know what John Wall did in 2017? He made the all-star team. <laughs> I, by nature, mm -hmm. he has star power. Yeah. Ridiculous. He has this quote where he says, he doesn't have star power. Where's his big shoe deal? John Wall has a multi-year, multi-million dollar shoe deal with Adidas. <laughs> I don't know what this guy's talking about. Where are the endorsements for John Wall? Just talked about it. John Wall's a great player. He doesn't have any star power. Steph Curry's got star power. Westbrook's got star power. James Harden, the beard's got star power. Aaron Rodgers, the look, the commercials, star power. The look, that's weird. Because I wouldn't call Aaron Rodgers particularly stylish, but I would call him white. Yeah, and I, I don't so want to, I'm not assuming <laughs> that like everything that he's saying is like racially charged, but I don't think that Aaron Rodgers has a look that is anything other than incredibly generic. Like what, what is his look? Right. It would be different. Like I'm trying to think of a player, like it's not like he's pointing out like Kelly Oubre, who like isn't necessarily good, but because right. Kelly Oubre is objectively very pretty, like mm -hmm. he sometimes becomes like the face of, like when he was on the Suns and they had new jerseys, it was all pictures of Kelly Oubre. 
Not right. because he's the best player, because he's very attractive. Like, yes. It would be different if Aaron Rodgers was like getting deals because he's pretty. You could even make that claim about like Derek Jeter. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, Derek Jeter was a great player, but also he was a very good looking dude that would, you know, be lauded for his looks all the time. So like that would make more sense. But I don't know that like Aaron Rodgers, at least in 2017, was known as like a attractive guy. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. And I and, and I I will say I'm not not defending coward, but like the example that you gave is him saying like, "Oh, well he wasn't as good as Rajon Rondo." Like Rajon Rondo is a black man. Like it's not like sure. he's always saying like, "Oh, well he's no Ryan Archie Diacono." You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah. Like he does still try to make good comparisons to other players, but like there's certain things in the comparisons where it feels weird, like the Iverson thing in particular, just like that that one was weird because then he said things that weren't true about Allen Iverson. So that's like mm. what kind of what kind of comparison you're making. But he continues in this rant where he says that another problem is that like people don't care about the Washington Wizards, who like at this point were like fine. Like they had those couple of fun playoff runs and stuff. But he says John Wall's got no star power, no influence in the league, none. Nobody goes to their games in D.C. In sports, he's about the sixth biggest star in the city. There are columnists that are more known. That is the biggest lie. I could not name a single columnist from Washington, D.C., and I'm sure millions of people could name John Wall, who got selected to the All-Star game that year. Yeah. Like, what are you talking I about? I think one of what the pardon the interruption about? guys is from D.C., right? Like Mike Wilbon or Tony Kornheiser. But either way, neither of them are as famous as John Wall, so it doesn't really matter. Absolutely not. Then he goes on, he says, everyone knows the Celtics backstory. Like it's John Wall's fault that the Washington Wizards are not a more storied franchise than the Boston Celtics. People in D.C. don't know the Wizards backstory. I know Washington's history better than the average Wizards fan does. Nobody wants to watch the Wizards. Wall doesn't have any fans. He's in the all-star game. (laughs) What are you talking about? Just unhinged, unhinged. Then... He had a weird thing before this rant in 2014 where he thought that John Wall had grown up, but he refused to retract any of the things that he said, even when people pointed out like that his dad died from cancer. Colin Cowherd said, quote, if you're looking for apologies, you're fishing off the wrong pier. But speaking oh, of real Justin Timberlake vibes. <laughs> oh, my God. But speaking of apologies, in May of 2016, Bill Simmons came on the Colin Cowherd show and live on the air pressured him into apologizing to John Wall. Like an incredible move from Bill Simmons. Just complete non sequitur. Bill Simmons just goes, by the way, have you ever apologized to John Wall? What is this? Like he just straight up (laughs) calls him out for on live air. It's amazing. He says, that's my least favorite cowherd take. Just back off. Call it a day. Like He just tells him to drop it. There's a bit of a back and forth where Cowherd and his co-host, I don't know her name, they are saying like, no, he said nice things. He's like, I've said many nice things about John Wall. And then Bill Simmons is like, just drop it. Just like, let it go. Apologize. This is so weird. Like He just refuses to back down until Cowherd apologizes. And then he says, okay, I apologize right now to John Wall. You would think that would be the end of it because that was in 2016. But in 2022, Colin Cowherd on 12 his years podcast. after the Dougie in question. <laughs> yes. And six years after the apology of trying to squash the beef. Then Colin Cowherd on his show is talking about why Draymond Green is great. I think this was during the finals run when they beat the Celtics, but he's talking about how Draymond Green makes his teammates better, even if he doesn't score a lot of points. And he's talking all about how like he impacts the game. And then weirdly, he starts making rants about other people. So he says, John Wall has never made a teammate better. I'm sorry. John Wall was one of the league leaders in assists per game. 
Like he had three seasons where he averaged over 10 assists a game by notion of how assists work. He is making his teammates better. Right. Says John Wall has never made a teammate better. Russell Westbrook has never made a teammate better. Russell Westbrook has also averaged more than 10 assists per game for multiple seasons. Famously, when he averaged a triple-double for the first time in 40 years. Also, he took the Thunder to the playoffs the year after Kevin Durant left. It was like the Russell Westbrook and Friends show, and Mm -hmm. the Thunder were still good. Like, Mm -hmm. he has inherently made his teammates better. So just weird two comparisons to make. Says Draymond Green has made every teammate he's ever played with better. Find me teammates Russell Westbrook has made better in his career. Uh, How about Nick Collison? Like, (laughs) come on. There's a ton of players. How about Anthony Morrow? Like, these players that no one has ever heard of. Kendrick Perkins looks serviceable. Yes, like there's so many people that Russell Westbrook has made better. So this was like more of like an anti-Russell Westbrook thing, but then he threw John Wall into it for no good reason. And this is the thing that finally got John Wall to respond because this was circulating on Twitter. So John Wall replied, lol, this guy is a joke. And then five of the double exclamation point emojis. So 10 red exclamation points afterwards. And that is the only time John Wall responded. And I like that John Wall didn't respond for over a decade. But then once he was kind of brought into a thing where someone was being mean to mainly Russell Westbrook instead, he pops in to kind of defend Russ. I Mm. love it. I love that. Perfect move from John Wall. That is the last instance of them going back and forth that I could find. Well, but I would say that's an assist. Yeah. <laughs> He's made someone better. And there that actually go. happened. Some random white guy who had nothing better to do than to yell at people for no good reason had a beef with John Wall for at least 12 years because he dared to dance one time before a game started. And that actually happened. <laughs> I think Coward is just uh, jealous that no one taught him how to dug. Look. That's a thing. Like and and I wonder if if this had happened to someone else. Like the greatest response could have been if John Wall was like, "Look man, if you if you want me to teach you how to do a tutorial, like, I, I will." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like the the song is Teach Me How. I will gladly show you what to do. Like that would have been an incredible response. But also being silent for 12 years, great response from John Wall. Love it. Oh, yeah. A plus stuff, no notes. John Wall's great. Colin Coward's weird. Respect to John Wall. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horror Sources, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Kensi Surabaki. The music is by Bettina Campomanes. The art is by Alison Wakeman. The website is by Kelly Schubert. And the social media is by both of the Horse Boys. Thank you to our producer little patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Self Tortesta, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, How About Them World Champion, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed. I got to watch Steph Curry in person for three. Bang! Hi, Trish, Nicole Shepard. Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, Josh Isn't Rich, Sidney Crosby Is a Vampire, Chelsea's Cousin, Ginger Spurs Boy, and the Balls to the Walls. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops was the person at the Wizards Arena who played the song Teach Me How to Dougie mm. at John Wall's request and Colin Coward got that guy fired, actually. Wow. And banned from yeah. Twitter. And banned from Twitter. Most That's tough. That's a tough look. Mm-hmm. Go to our website, horsehoops.com, for links to some of the many things we talked about today, including Colin Cowherd's bizarre rant, uh, and in more fun news, a bunch of three-point contest footage. Yes, and if you want to support the Horse Boys, you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops, and you can get a whole bunch of cool content as a thank you for supporting us. You get those ad-free episodes, you can get physical stuff, all sorts of good things over there. 
And you can also go to horsehoops.com slash merch, get some nerds, shirts, and some other digital merch items, whether that be replays of past live shows or ringtones, wallpapers, all that kind of stuff. And to close out the episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. What are we feeling, Adam? Hmm. You got anything? Well, this will be, I believe, the last episode before the All-Star Weekend, so we could mm-hmm. say something in celebration of that. There's the Steph vs. Sabrina battle. We could cheer on one of those players. Uh, we could pray that the Bulls make a trade at the trade deadline. I would love to because they're doing that weird thing. Well, again. we didn't mention that Zach Levine is out for the season and now can't do anything with him, mm-hmm. but now we are. We could we could say do something Bulls on the count of three, and then hopefully okay. by the time this yes. episode came out, they did something. I, yeah, I'm i cautiously optimistic they will have done something. I'm okay. afraid that something will be nothing, but ah, well, that's still something. Let's we'll, we'll try it. We'll say do something on the count of three. All right. One, two, three. Do, Do something. something, Bulls, for the love of God. Stop trying to be a playing team every year. You're making me go gray. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.